Potter proudly acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which it is situated, the Kumbameri families of the Yugambeh language region. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and recognise their continued connections to the lands, waters and their extended communities throughout southeast Queensland. Hi, uh, my name is Tracy Cooper-Lavery. I'm the Director of Gallery and Visual Arts at Hodder, Home of the Arts on the Gold Coast. And my very uber-chic guest today is the fabulous Alison Kubler. And we're here today to talk pop art and fashion. Alison has a double major in art history from the University of Queensland and a master's in post-war and contemporary art history from Manchester University, England. She has over 25 years' experience working as a curator in museums and galleries in Australia, including positions at QUT Art Museum and the former Gold Coast City Art Gallery, where her and I met. Uh, She has worked as an associate curator at the University of Queensland Art Museum and in a freelance capacity developed bespoke programs for Art Gallery of South Australia and HOTA, amongst other institutions. Alison is also a member of the Council of the National Gallery of Australia and is chair of the Collections Committee there. She is the current editor-in-chief of Vault, the leading art journal of art and culture in Australia. Now, in November 2013, she co-authored with Mitchell Oakley-Smith the fabulous book, which is kind of the seminal book, really, (laughs) called Art and Fashion in the 20th Century that was published by Thames & Hudson UK. And maybe that is a really great place for us to start. So, hi, Alison. Well, hi, Tracy. It's so lovely to be here talking all (laughs) things art and fashion on the Gold Coast. I love it. Oh, fantastic. Now, look, let's talk about your passion Mm. for art and fashion. Mm. What is it about the collision and the collaboration within these two art forms that inspired you to research and author that amazing book in 2013? Well, I think I was increasingly aware of the collision between art and fashion and how sort of, I guess, on a a spiritual level, there is this debate between the two art forms, like a philosophical divide, if you like. We've always put art on a pedestal, this elitist thing that's all about longevity and uh, it's sort of spiritual, it's pure. And then we understand fashion as being something commercial and uh, something that essentially um, eats itself or it, with every season. You yeah. know? Whereas so artists, it's, it's much more short term. Absolutely. And it, I think that's a very interesting thing. And I think that's why there's been a mistrust in the art world of fashion because fashion is designed to destroy itself. And art, of course, is all about this longevity and endurance past an artist's death. Of course, you know, lots of labels, once the designer dies, they continue on with the same name, which is something you can't imagine, you know, Andy Warhol continuing and not being Andy Warhol. It just wouldn't be a possibility. So I'm very interested in those dichotomies, I guess. And then also what you've seen, the thing that sparked my interest is is that more galleries around the world were starting to stage major fashion exhibitions. I thought that was very interesting because that's kind of like the barbarian at the gates. (laughs) Fashion (laughs) had always been relegated to decorative arts institutions uh, or craft, and suddenly you had major galleries staging huge fashion exhibitions. And I thought, well, that's really telling you something about the cultural value of fashion. And I do think fashion has enormous cultural and social value that people don't always appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it tells 
it tells great stories about us as well. Mm, I think yeah. it tells some of the, the biggest stories about yeah. uh, society. And certainly whenever we look historically at painting, probably one of the first things we look to is the clothing that appears in it. Yeah. And that tells you a lot about what fashion and clothing might actually mean. Mm. Mm. Um, so there is a long history of collaborations between mm. artists and fashion designers. Um, and I guess I hope I'm right in saying mm. that it really starts in 1937 mm with this incredible uh, dress uh, designed by the surrealist artist Salvador Dali and the legendary Italian fashion designer Elsa Scaparelli. Mm. Uh, They teamed up to create this silk summer evening Mm. dress that featured a print of an oversized lobster, (laughs) his idea, of course, uh, and it dangled down the waist of the the gown and it was given instant cachet and infamy when it was worn by Wallace Simpson for Mm. a Vogue photo shoot with the celebrated photographer Cecil Beaton. Uh, what was really going on there? <laughs> well, I, was a lobster, Is a lobster really just a lobster? No, it isn't. And that's a very good point because that's probably one of the most um, significant and loaded dresses in the history of frocks, as yeah, we put yeah. it. I actually don't Talk like about that tele- word, frock. Talk about tell a great story. <laughs> yeah, tell a great story. Um, I think that, you know, you could say that that's one of the first great um, paparazzi moments, uh, if you like. It's one of those great moments where Wallace Simpson knew that she was reviled she knew she was provocative she knew she was all of these things to the English public and so you have someone like Cecil Beaton who's famous for photographing I guess much like Andy Warhol actually famous for photographing the aristocracy as well as famous people Mm. he shoots her and she chooses that dress and and the lobster was very much a symbol for the surrealists of sexuality. Mm. So, so loaded. I mean, I'm not entirely sure how the lobster pertains to sexuality, (laughs) except that they used it as a device to talk about sexuality and it was all connected to dreams and um, fantasies and things like that. So, without a doubt, she knew exactly what she was doing. Here she is, this woman who has uh, basically destroyed the monarchy and she's having a photograph in vogue and it's brilliant and it's also vaguely transparent so there's this kind of other frisson of kind of um rebellion so yeah. it's like a, and it's interesting how we see that dress now as so important in the history of fashion but it's so rebellious mm. and and with our eye now in 2023 we understand something else to be a rebellious but when you look at that dress you think that's actually the pinnacle at that moment she was the Meghan Markle of her time. She was, absolutely. <laughs> was, there, was there fallout from that? Yeah, there definitely was, definitely fallout. And I think uh, a lot of um, – it's interesting, again, to look back because we forget that someone like Cecil Beaton was a very avant-garde photographer. Mm. And he also enjoyed playing with those tropes around what the aristocracy meant. And he was sort of implicit. He was involved, again, much like Andy Warhol, involved in it. Um, but also I think there was a gentle play there where he was trying to unsettle something. So, yeah, yeah it was a controversial image. Yeah, yeah. It's it's if, Yeah, if you haven't seen it, I highly mm. recommend you can find it on Google yes. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful dress actually. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I guess one of the other quite early um, – wasn't so much a collaboration, mm. but a use of art mm. uh, in fashion was when Yves Saint Laurent uh, created uh, his really amazing graphic mm. dresses based on some of Pierre Mondrian's mm. uh, paintings, which you know is not quite pop, but but mm. it kind of leads us into where we're going with this conversation. Mm. But you know, another really great example of art uh, being used 
in fashion. Mm, definitely. And I think um, probably what that demonstrates as well is how an artist such as, um, well, I just called him an artist. That's always yeah. that interesting d- dilemma whether a fashion designer is an artist. Mm. And I think you could argue that some mm. fashion designers are. But he certainly was so well read, Yves Saint Laurent. You know, he had a very, he also had a personally huge art collection. So he was someone who was actively collecting art. He was well informed. So what you have there is the influence of art on fashion. And I think that that, that Piet Mondrian dress is such a great example. And, you know, you have YSL trying to decide what the modern silhouette would be. What is a what does a contemporary female look like? What does modernity mean? And to take that Mondrian, which is such a hard kind of painting, and to turn it into dress was really inspired, you know, and it he went on to be influenced by so many other art forms. Um and quite open about it too. He was someone, you know, he made work with Van Gogh's sunflowers, Van Gogh's irises. He was very influenced by art. And I think you see that right throughout his career as well. And that's such an iconic iconic suite of dresses. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Um, so I might kind of turn us mm. uh, to the exhibition that yes. we're here to talk about as well, mm. which is Pop Masters, mm. uh, Art from the Mugrabi Collection, New York. Yes. And one of the key themes in that exhibition is really the legacy of Andy Warhol. Mm. I mean, he was the master of consumerism, celebrity, mass media. He turned, you know, ordinary, everyday things, banal objects into high art. Um and I keep thinking, one of the actually, just a little sidebar here. Mm. The more that I've been working on this show, I just think how much, you know, you can kind of almost see a little bit of that Dada mm. influence in pop, mm. be- that idea of just taking things off. You know, everyday objects and turning mm-hmm. it into a piece of high art. So that was just my little thing. But, mm. um, but he he took the everyday and made it extraordinary. And the exhibition explores his work, explores this work and and his and some of his contemporaries, and then the generations of artists that he influenced. So, one of the early things I think is really interesting about Warhol as well when we talk about fashion is that he actually began his career as a graphic artist mm. in the fashion industry, right? Mm. Yep, definitely. And he, you're right. He was someone who I think instantly understood the, uh, I guess, the value of popularity, but also what was popular. And I always think about that famous quote by Oscar Wilde, everything popular is wrong. (laughs) And I think Warhol understood the dilemma. He's like, you know, popular things are beautiful. There is this incredible, you know, desire. Yeah. Yeah. And a design. And, and, you know, everyday things still have a design feature to them. Absolutely. And, you know, when we think about clothing, no one puts anything on in a day without thinking what they're wearing. Truthfully, they don't, even if they're just, you know, schlubbing it to the gym. <laughs> and I think Warhol, you know, with his in his very early career, he was um, a, like a set dresser or, you know, windows and things. So he would do, you know, we forget that in the in the 50s and 60s, advertisements were drawn, hand-drawn. Yeah. So graphic designers, that's what they did. They drew things. And he worked for iMagnon and did these incredible shoe drawings because I think he instinctively understood the power and the allure of uh, fashion um, and, you know, to paraphrase Oscar Wilde who said Wilde who said everything popular is wrong I think Warhol understood exactly that dilemma that you know in popularity there is something beautiful and charming and and desirous we want all of those things and I think that comes up in 
pop masters. Because then, of course, the logical, I guess, the inheritor of the mantle of Warhol is Jeff Koons. Yeah. And he absolutely took that from Warhol, this idea of popularity. And he talks about the, you know, the objects that are so um, what we might deem tacky or cheap and he reveres them as art objects you know and I think Warhol was doing that in the 1950s he was saying this shoe is so beautiful it's worthy of a painting yeah it's a piece of art it's a piece of art yeah Yeah. absolutely and and I guess too uh, I mean unfortunately in this exhibition there are no Campbell's soup cans but we are (laughs) going to talk about the soup cans Uh, I mean arguably Andy's most famous yes. works and some of the earliest works. So the Campbell Soup Can suite mm-hmm. of of images were created in 1962 and they're actually, as you would imagine, they were mocked when first exhibited, mm. so much so that a rival parody exhibition of actual <laughs> Campbell Soup Cans opened at the same time or a little yeah. bit after in response. But the unpopularity of those works didn't last and Irving Bloom the owner of Ferris Gallery in Los Angeles, where the works were first shown, realised that that group of 32 paintings needed to be kept together. Originally they were, uh, the idea was they would be sold off individually, mm-hmm. but he was he was absolute in the decision that they need to be kept together, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, you know, made them different and made mm-hmm. it, it made a statement about what those works represented. Mm-hmm. And they seemed to speak to this kind of spirit of, New America, and one that thoroughly embraced the consumer culture of the new decade. Mm. And then before the end of the year, like, so you, you go from an exhibition that's, you know, being derided <laughs> locally yeah. uh, to, you know, by the end of the year, Campbell's soup cans were so on trend mm. that mm. Uh, Manhattan socialites were wearing soup can printed dresses to high society events. Yeah. 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 It is, and it, that whole thing is very fascinating because, yes, Warhol was critique, not critiquing because he actually loved it. He loved mm. consumer culture. He was uh, an advocate for yeah. it. But what's interesting about them too is that they're incredibly authentic. I mean, Warhol famously had Campbell's Soup every day yeah. for lunch. So if you think about it, they're almost autobiographical, which is such an interesting way to think about that body of work and how we see it. We often like to think of Warhol as this kind of cipher for American culture. But I think that there's something else going on there, which was about an authenticity and, and like a, a true experience that was pure to him. But yes, they became iconic almost, you know, so quickly, as you point out. And I think uh, recently Balenciaga did a similar thing. You might have seen they had um, Lay's chips. So I thought yeah. it was very interesting. So they actually started making handbags that resembled a Lay's chip packet. We don't get Lay's in Australia, yeah. but it's like the most generic chip brand. It's in, like having in Smith's chips. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a Smith's Chips handbag. Yeah. And, we'll, uh, we'll get to some interesting handbags. Exactly. We'll get yes. to that too. And, I mean, I think that's, again, I guess that's the legacy of Warhol, isn't it? Like yeah. Balenciaga couldn't do that in 2023 without yeah. the influence of Warhol yeah. and something as prosaic as a Campbell's soup cat. And I do love that you can still go to the supermarket and choose that tin if you want it. Yeah. It's brilliant, yeah. you know. And I actually do always choose that tin because what a, what a great piece why not of- have a Warhol on your, <laughs> in your, in your shelf, on your shelf? What a great piece of marketing that was, but it's brilliant incredible. Brilliant piece of marketing. The thing I love too about those dresses, so, so as I said, you know, they, by the end of that same year, mm. uh, Warhol got a sense of how popular mm. the works were becoming and he actually created, first off, he created – uh, a very bespoke uh, kind of mm. 
series of dresses that that had the the screen print of the soup cans on it. The irony of that is that Campbell's then could see the popularity of the works and, you know, that, that you know, the upper echelons of New York were clamouring for these dresses mm-hmm. that they then turned it into, like, you know, again, turned it back into a consumer product yeah. with this whole idea of, they, they were called super dresses, <laughs> like S-O-U-P-E-R, mm-hmm. super, a super dress. And you could actually buy one for a dollar and two soup can labels. If you mm. sent if you sent a dollar and oh. two soup can labels to Campbell's, imagine imagine doing that. Yeah. You you got a a, a Warhol inspired Campbell's mm. soup can dress that really? was actually and they were made of paper, weren't yes, they? Yes, they were made out of paper, and they I mean they're in collections around the world now. But isn't that incredible? <laughs> and it just wouldn't happen now because I think it would be deemed to be too um, cheap or or popular to use that word again. But Warhol must have loved it. He would have loved that yeah. uh, breaking through. I mean, very few artists become a household name, but that made him a household name. That, that suite of works, yeah. that series, yeah. it is literally, we use the term, it gets thrown around all all the time, but iconic it truly was. Yeah, and uh, I, in some ways... Also kind of the start of fast fashion, the idea that you could have a, a dress for a dollar yeah. and wear it once, made of paper, throw mm. it away. Mm. Um, I mean, and, and as you said, I guess because of that um, that that idea of disposability, mm. there's not many of them around. And, mm. you know, I think recently one sold at auction for over $10,000. Yeah. yeah. Like just Which not- actually seems cheap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Considering what Warhol goes for now. But, yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he sort of, I think he understood, I think Warhol was very astute and understood that this was the inevitability of both art and fashion and culture more generally, that it would speed up so quickly yeah. that it would become redundant almost immediately. <laughs> it's, it's, mm. it's, it's amazing. Mm. And and I guess from there, um, you know, as, as you've already uh, talked about Jeff Koons, I mean, mm. there are so many collaborations and and kind of pop art yes. pop artists collaborating with fashion mm. designers as well um you know Stephen Sprouse mm-hmm. uh, in the 1980s who was actually a friend of Warhol he was taking something very street and making it high fashion that's yes. the tension i think that's yeah. what's interesting about those collaborations yeah and then i think probably one of my favorite and and probably a very direct mm. link as well is from 1991 when mm. Gianni Versace uh created his pop art collection mm. and actually featured this incredible jewel encrusted Marilyn dress with with Warhol's Marilyn yeah. Monroe on it and I think um uh, yeah, was it Linda Evangelista yes. walked oh, that down the incredible. runway? Like iconic. <laughs> <laughs> this moment in fashion history, it's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. And mm. so, you know, that idea of of taking, you know, those those kind of images that are recognisable by someone like Warhol mm. and then turning that into these incredible you know, again, yes. works of fashion art mm. uh is is just fantastic. And uh, I mean, another another great example uh, would be Jeremy Scott and pretty much anything mm. he's done for Moschino. Yes. And did you, just the, today it's been announced he's leaving Moschino, ah. which is super interesting oh. because I was thinking about this and what it would mean for the brand. And, you know, he has in, he's kind of injected it with this very much a, like a pop aesthetic and a kind of whimsy. I actually own a pair of the McDonald's high heels. Oh, get out. <laughs> and when I wear them, people do stop me on the street and say, they honestly think they are McDonald's shoes. I'm yeah. like, no, no, they are. But that's actually- the thing. Like, that's the genius, <laughs> I the think, genius. in that is that, um, I mean, really, 
no one actually wants to wear a Macca's uniform, right? <laughs> but, you know, unless um, unless you're, you know, high school, yeah. at high school, <laughs> trying to earn some money for a car. That's right. Um, but you might, but you would absolutely consider wearing, mm. you know, a Jeremy Scott mm. pair of McDonald's shoes exactly. or, or carry the handbag because, you know, it's better cut and it's, and it's, mm. but it's still that distinctly familiar uh Version, yes, and it's that kind of you know understanding about the power of um, symbols, you know. And again, to you talked about Balenciaga, but Demna Vasalia, that's what he did. You know, he one of his first collections was the DHL T-shirt, and he explained that for him growing up in Georgia, he in in. Um, you know the the Soviet Georgia. Mm. He those brands, those American brands, were revered. Everybody wanted them, desired them. So DHL became for him a symbol of everything <laughs> fabulous and American. And those DHL Balenciaga <laughs> t-shirts are hundreds and hundreds of dollars, <laughs> which is, you know, Warhol would have completely loved that and completely understood because ha- understood the nature of that, how yeah. it worked, why it worked, yeah. why people coveted it. It's fabulous. <laughs> I think um, uh, in in my research for for our conversation today, mm. I I found a new um, designer who I hadn't yeah. heard of before, and that was Philip Colbert and the Rodnick Band, yeah. uh, band the Rodnick Band, not yes. brand. Uh, who you know, funnily enough, was has been nicknamed mm. the Godson of Warhol by <laughs> Andre Leon Talley. Mm. Uh, do you know much about about that that line of? Um, I I do know a little bit about it, um, and it's a kind of like a an appropriation, but also a what would you call it's it? Like an, an homage, appro- yeah. an homage appropriation, I guess of of pop and uh, and you know anything to kind of to do with pop, so cartoons mm. and uh, superheroes mm. and fast food, mm. and mm. it's just extraordinary. I think it's a nostalgia, isn't it? Really, for an era that well, I mean, I wasn't born in that era, but weirdly, I have a nostalgia for it, yeah. and I think even my own children do. They can see that there was something about that era that was sort of magical. You know, everything mm. was changing and developing and. Exploding, and it seems like something um, tangible via brands and via someone like Warhol. It's this kind of, uh, I don't know, it, I think it's an era that we could never experience again because everything is so mediated um, and controlled. There was something about what, what Pop did and, and what Warhol did that everybody wants a piece of. And so I think what they're doing is kind of, is really interesting and fun that appropriation and I guess it's an irreverence which we need to get back to really yeah you know that's a there's a funness like you don't take it all too seriously like fashion is should be enjoyable yeah absolutely yeah and talking of fun Mm. Jeff Coons (laughs) (laughs) well I am a very big Jeff Coons fan which is always a bit of a controversial thing to say I think but I think he's incredible yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, I think about his collaboration mm. with Louis Vuitton yep. and those amazing handbags yeah. uh, using, and again, so an artist appropriating another other, artist. another other artist's work and mm. and turning that into a, a, a you know putting those designs on a handbag again is is just amazing. And they're so kitsch, right? So <laughs> kitsch and so tacky, and they're worth thousands of dollars. But th- there is something wonderful because I think 
what Jeff Koons is literally trying to mimic is that thing that when you go to Europe and you go to, you're in Florence and you're walking down a side street in Florence and there's a souvenir store and it has a bag and it has a Rubens on it and mm. it just has the word Rubens <laughs> and it's made in China. It's not even made in yeah. Italy. So there's this absolute um, joy about this tacky object but you know someone will buy it and love it deeply because it will remind them of being in in Florence you know and there's nothing wrong with that this is a human emotion that that Coons taps into so he takes his most favorite paintings you know and puts them on these Louis Vuitton bags and they're kind of wonderful yeah they are Mm. and and you're right it goes back to that idea of uh it is a nostalgia it's another version of nostalgia because it takes you back to where you were when you saw that that piece where you bought it what you were Mm. doing what you were what you were wearing what you were wearing (laughs) absolutely seeing those paintings for the first time there's something really simple about that gesture which I love yeah Mm. yeah and if we look at some of the other artists in Pop Masters, I mean, as I was, again, as I was kind of doing uh, this this bit of research for our chat, you know, mm. there are so many artists in that yeah. exhibition that have done fashion collaborations. Yes, yes. So Damien Hurst as yes. well uh, has worked with Alexander McQueen mm-hmm. um, doing these incredible uh, images of kind of death and decay. Yeah. On these extraordinary beautiful dresses, dresses with skulls and butterflies yeah and I think you see in the 21st century there was an absolute kind of rush I guess for fashion brands to collaborate with with artists and I think it was about trying to bring that what I talked about earlier that longevity to a brand you know how do you create something enduring and lasting if you're um, literally replacing the handbag. But they did. They created these – it's this desire to um, make something a little bit more meaningful, like one-off objects. And so you see such a rush of um, designers doing it. I mean, Mark Jacobs did it fabulously, co- collaborated with so many tricky, tricky designers, you mm. know, everyone from uh, Takashi Murakami, who you could argue he actually made famous, you know. Murakami was a well-known yeah. Japanese artist but not stratospheric. Not not that global exactly. recognition. And yeah. he in his himself is a bit of a pop artist, a Japanese oh, yeah. pop artist. And so it's quite astute of Mark Jacobs to take this poppy Japanese thing and put it on a very revered, famous French brand and just up the ante right through to Ayo Kusama. Yeah. But then also tricky artists like Jake and Dinos Chapman, difficult things, you mm. know. So not just taking the easy road, like making it tricky, making it difficult, which I love. And uh- – Talking actually, so so talking about Yayoi Kasama. Mm. Um, that so Kasama's not in the exhibition, mm. but you know, obviously a huge uh, pop, yes, you know, pop artist, and this extraordinary, and you know, I don't know, maybe a little bit problematic yeah. recent yeah. collaboration mm. with Vuitton. I mean, mm. she's worked with Vuitton she before, she has, but this last, you know, in the last couple of months, this. Um, extraordinary marketing mm, mm, mm. program around mm. like <laughs> I haven't even uh, it, to, uh, for me I guess uh, the thing I found really interesting about it was I saw the images mm. these images of the the kind of uh the animatronic animatronic Kasama uh, yeah, 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 painting amazing. dots it's crazy and, good and uh mm. and you know the the giant inflatable mm. Kasama outside mm. the Vuitton headquarters in Paris and mm. but I don't know if I've actually seen any of the product 
No, I'm not sure that I have either. <laughs> and I thought a couple of things about it. I thought how, you know, I have friends who own the original one, so the original series, mm. and it kind of diminishes the the uniqueness of those objects. So you do it again, which I thought was interesting. Obviously, it was financially successful. But I think also the other thing that it demonstrates, and this is something that Warhol understood, I think, really well, is that artists are brands in their own right. And we know we had always considered art to be very pure and, you know, it's elitist and perfect and philosophically sound. But artists, you know, they are a brand. Think about Pollock. Think about mm. Picasso. They are brands in their mm. own right. I mean, they're trademarked well, now. And Basquiat. You know? Of course. I mean, exactly. Basquiat, the, the idea of Basquiat is yeah. almost more famous yes. than the artist himself. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Know, that, that idea of the three-pointed crown mm. and, you know, that that's more recognisable mm-hmm. almost in a way and, mm. and aligned with Basquiat than mm. the actual work, mm. which I, again, find incredible. Yes, it is incredible. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably a good place for us to spin to other types of art and fashion mm. collaboration. So, you know, we talked about uh, Warhol creating his very own first uh, soup can dresses mm. and then Campbell's doing the, I guess, the fast fashion mm. version and today we see the same thing. So we've just talked as well about all these contemporary uh, mm. collaborations between artists and designers. Mm. And then you have something like Uniqlo yes. uh, or Typo mm. who just, you know, mm. bombard us yep. with uh, with T-shirts and products mm. uh, that, you know, have Andy Warhol, Keith Haring, mm. Jean-Michel Basquiat, mm. um, a number of those artists mm. and, you know, obviously working with their estates. Yep. Um, but the fast fashion version, mm. right? Mm. It is the 100% fast fashion version. So we have such an interesting dilemma, I guess, in, in fashion right now is this idea of sustainability, this thing that everyone talks about, but it's very hard to actually uh, manifest or realise. But it is interesting how a brand like Warhol and Basquiat and those artists have become so part of the culture. And I, I, I would think that for some people buying those shirts, they have no context for, for the images or they can't understand why that herring is so significant. I dare say for a lot of people wearing herring, they would have no context for his, you know, impact and the the, the connection to the AIDS pandemic. Everything mm. these works are so significant. They're so because loaded. Of that. They're well. so loaded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Really, really powerful kind of images and. I know, and I just I have to say I buy them all for my son. <laughs> oh, look, but, but I mean, and, mm. and you're right. Like, and I mean, on the other hand, like from a from a purely mm. art, art world perspective, yes. I love the fact yeah. that you know, at the moment with the exhibition on, I mean, mm. every sort of fourth or fifth person that walks in has got yeah. a shirt that yeah. you know it's like you know I've it's I, like a I, band I, yeah a band that it's you like love. a band shirt yeah it is right? like a band shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love that uh, you know that artists and art is. Is, is in the mainstream. Yeah. and But you're right, it does have that kind of tension between, well, what, what is that understanding mm. Of, mm. of what you're wearing? And that's, but that's kind of the contemporary dilemma, isn't it? How far removed we are from, from so many things. A lot of young people, I think, there's no framework for these things anymore. And you and I grew up in an era when, you know, you went to museums and galleries. You could never take a photograph. Mm. In, in, you know, that was just not something you did. So I kind of love on one well, hand. You didn't, have a, this, you didn't have a phone. Well, you didn't have a phone. <laughs> And you certainly weren't allowed to go into the into the Uffizi and take a photograph. That was never going to happen. But all of that has changed. You know, there's this great democratization of the art world, which I do love. I love that we can do that now and that young people can kind of engage 
in a different way yeah. with those things. Yeah, yeah. But it's the engagement that's the important thing. Yeah. So that's good. Um, so I also wanted to talk about the legacy of pop in Australian designers mm. as well. So mm. um, so not so much uh, collaborations between artists and designers, but designers who actually focus their work mm. on on the idea of pop. Mm. So the first one that comes to mind is Frida Las Vegas. Yes, of course. Who I love. <laughs> She's fabulous. Um, I I was very lucky to uh, to borrow one of her mm. uh, glamour caftans for the <laughs> opening of Pop Art uh, for Pop Masters, and uh, it was fantastic. I mean, and and totally Australian pop. So mm. the whole dress was covered in uh, illustrations of big things. Yes. So the big banana, <laughs> the big the big prawn. Um, you know. The, the big koala, mm. which is in Ad, in South Australia, I think. Mm. Um, but just such a fun, mm. again, talking mm. about that idea of, you know, fashion being fun, mm. but but taking the ideas of pop but putting a very Australian mm. spin on it. And, mm. and I think she is actually quite unique in Australian fashion at the moment because there's not a lot of yeah. uh, designers kind of going in that area. No, yeah. and I think I think that's what again, you know, to come back to Warhol, it's this kind of very authentic thing. So she is very authentic to where she comes from, you know, from Adelaide, this kind of like uh, woggy background, yeah. she, but she embraces it, you know, milk bars, milk bars. <laughs> um what is it? Ch- Chico rolls, yeah. uh bin chickens, like yeah. she, just all the things that are uniquely Australian. So I think it's that thing where you take something that's quite parochial, but you embrace it. Yeah. And look, Jenny Key did that. Mm. You know, she Took, if you think about those um, jumpers in the 1980s, which I coveted so much, <laughs> I still can't believe I never had one. Thanks, Mum. I really wanted a koala, yeah. a Jenny Key koala. And then, you know, the apotheosis is when Princess Diana wears one and you're like, well, that's it for me. I never will get one. Um, but those things, there's a reason they've come back, you know, because yeah. there's a nostalgia well, for it. Yeah. Well, the, the other um, uh, designers, mm. uh, Wawa. Yes, yeah, who, that's right. Who, in a similar way, yeah. are doing are doing that same thing. These fantastic, exactly bright graphic illustrative jumpers, and, taking and, things we remember yeah, and love yeah. and have nostalgia for. Yeah, um, the same as Romance was born. You know, collaborating with Jenny Key, but also with Ken Doan. Because yeah. could there be a bigger pop artist than God. Ken Doan, <laughs> who? honestly, has never had the reverence that he should have. I know. And you and I have discussed this yes. many, many, many times. Many, times. And I Ken will keep talking don't, about it. I know. I will I'm too. Because I'm such a fan. I mean, he is a master artist, you know. And those there's, a again, a reason why uh, younger people are seeing those images and thinking, God, that's great. And <laughs> and you'll, you have to explain to them that it's from – you know, like 1982. <laughs> 1982. <laughs> Who knew? And, but I think that's also why they get it, because there is something that's kind of analogue about those images. And that's probably the charm of Warhol too, the analogue quality of a screen print or something like that. We look at it and we go, there's something about that that I love. Yeah. It's, mm. it, they're incredible. So the the other one piece that I just want to talk about, mm. <laughs> only because I love it, Yes, uh, is I was given at Christmas uh, <gasps> a – bachelor's handbag wow so those of you who don't know Mm. what a bachelor's handbag is uh it's the nickname (laughs) that's been given to you know the quintessential hot chook bag that you get at coles or woolies and the the idea or or i think i've heard it called the tradies handbag (laughs) as well so the idea that your hot chook can get you through the week fantastic Um, 
there's an artist in Melbourne uh, by the name of Vanessa Flynn, and her her she, her brand is Vanessa Flynn Does Art, and she takes those literally takes the hot chook hand ba- a hot chook bag and turns it into a handbag. So clever. And I got I got given one at Christmas and uh, and and took that as well to the opening. I I think that bag now needs to have its own Facebook profile. It, it got so much attention does it hold a lot it does you know <laughs> all your essentials all my essentials and i can see through the bag see if i've got everything i so need clever and uh it's, and it's very clever isn't it i mean mm. what a hoot i just <laughs> no but it's brilliant because again it comes back to that thing that's authentic and original i mean if you say a hot chook anywhere else in the world they just look at you like what are you talking about <laughs> there couldn't be anything more australian than a hot chook it's <laughs> deeply comforting the smell of a hot chook you know we all know what that is and the thing that is clever about that is that you know there's this whole thing in fashion here theory about uh trickle down so you know it used to be that high fashion chanel or um the original balenciaga or to christian dior would trickle down to the street so you know dior would make his bar suit and then you'd have knock on the high street on the exactly but what you have now is then what they call the trickle up so you have the street trickling up to high fashion and the case you know balenciaga being the example of the lays chips or yeah. the dhl t-shirt but that's such a good example of that because yeah. it's being the stories of fashion come from the street i mean that's the story of punk and and vivian westwood god bless her soul uh, all of that is from the street going up it's brilliant yeah so clever so look i guess you know we could just talk <laughs> for could. hours um but i probably want to finish on one of the one of my favorite quotes mm. that we've actually put on the wall uh, in the exhibition that is by uh, the man himself, Andy Warhol, <laughs> and that is that art is anything you can get away with. Um, would you say the same thing of fashion? Absolutely, I think absolutely. I think that fashion is anything you you can get away with, and. I absolutely love that we live in an era that is not prescriptive and that everyone can wear and choose what they want to wear. I wish that art was a little bit more like that because I think we live in, a, in an era now where art is uh, has to be about something. You know, we live in an art, an era of politicised art where unless art has a political agenda, it doesn't get the airtime that um, it should, I think. And, I, yeah, I absolutely love that idea that uh, – you know, it should be about pushing those boundaries. I think fashion's got to do that, right? Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Well, I'm going to enjoy carrying my uh, bachelor's handbag <laughs> and I need to see you in those uh, Moschino uh, chip shoes. I hot- almost <laughs> wore them today. I wish I had worn them today, actually. They're incredibly uncomfortable, but fashion is pain. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Um, Alison, it has been so great to talk to you. So, Alison Kubler, thank you so much. Um, I'll just uh, wrap up by saying, look, while we're talking fashion and retail therapy, make Mm. sure when you go to see Pop Masters, Mm. Art from the McGrawby Collection Mm. at Hotter, uh, that you spend some time in the Hotter shop. And uh, (laughs) we've got a fantastic catalogue for the exhibition and there's a whole range of wonderful things that uh, are all pop inspired. You can take home your own Warhol for your wall. That's right. Or you can take home... An ice cream cone pot plant. Absolutely. It's a brilliant (laughs) shop. I spent a lot of time in there. (laughs) Uh, And the exhibition runs until the 4th of June. And uh, and it's been great talking. Thank Thank you for having me.